It's 8 o'clock. It's Friday night. It's usually time for Mutiny's Comedy Clubhouse. Fantastic Comedy Clubhouse. Usually every Friday, but tonight we have a very exciting special event. We have a movie made by Nick Scarpino from Kind of Funny, and it's called Waiting for the Punchline. And we're setting it up right now. We're going to be doing a live screening. Uh, thanks for joining us if you're listening on the radio waves. Uh, press that donate button. Yay. And uh, we're all here. It's going to be great. We're going to keep listening to some music for a while while we get it all set up. Thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio. Yay. Masturbation. 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 A lot of people are turned off by masturbation. Jokes, particularly. They don't want to hear about that. Why? Some of the greatest people in the world. (laughs) Example, Sir Edmund Hillary. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man to climb Mount Everest. But when Sir Edmund was a precocious 11, his mother came in the room, caught him in the act. She couldn't believe it. She said, Sir Edmund. Why are you doing that? And he said, because it was there. (laughs) The first person I knew to masturbate was Eddie LeCarrie. He used to tell us how he would go home and masturbate while he watched American Bandstand. Dick Clark was saying, how do you rate this record, Denise? How do you rate this, Denise? You give it a hundred, Denise? Dance to this, Denise. Women in numbers do not masturbate as much as men. There's a lot of women that do it more than any man, but there's a lot of women who are basically romanticists and they don't feel right unless there's somebody else there. I have an invention for these women. A vibrator that talks. (laughs) Could have a little recording device in there, you know? I love you. Nobody does it like you. (laughs) 
could have, thank you, could have a special kind, special kind for married women. After it was over, it would fall asleep. You know? <laughs> Single girls, when it was over, would get up, raid the refrigerator, and go home. I'll call you tomorrow. Okay, I'll stop talking about uh, masturbation. Get into something else. Nocturnal emissions. <laughs> now, see, that might be... That might be a little difficult for some of the ladies here to relate to. But that's a wild feeling, because unlike any sexual experience, you don't really know what's going on. See, you're like 12 years old, you wake up in the middle of the night. What the hell was that? <laughs> I gotta remember what I was dreaming about. <laughs> Tell you something else. Mothers like nocturnal. Mothers. Because for the first time, their sons make their own beds. Black plastic.
Hey, we're doing a little sound check, sound check with everything for the Waiting for the Punchline movie. Yay! Thank you all for being here and being patient here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm excited to see this amazing film documentary. Yay! It looks like it's going to work. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yay! Cool. Thank you guys for coming to MutinyRadio.fm. And as we... This is uh, actually the the old projector from the brainwash, we inherited it when it went <laughs> under. It's the actual, it was taken off the ceiling, which is why I have to put it on this weird stand or whatever, and it's upside down and everything because it's from the brainwash. Yeah, the stand can move. It's like some crazy thing we inherited. It's perfect, it's perfect. Nick Scarpino is perfect. He's gonna have, we're gonna have a little Q&A after the, after the film, we can ask questions. I'm a little nervous. I'm in the movie, and I, I'm sure I said. Hour and 15 minutes. Strap yourselves in. Also, um, to thank everyone for being here, I, uh, I have some medicated gummies as gifts for you all. Uh, so be forewarned. They're medicated and delicious. Be careful. Uh, how I feel. the airwaves right now? That's lovely. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for coming, and everyone listening at home or in your cars or in uh, a basement someplace where you may or may not have a victim. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for the screening. Um, this is my movie, Waiting for the Punchline. It was produced by uh, Rooster Teeth Docs, uh, which is a department of Rooster Teeth, which is a great company out of Austin, Texas. Um, and, you know, the focus... I'll just take this off. We can do that for a quick. Uh, the focus of this documentary was really to showcase uh, what it what it takes to go from uh, doing open mics and cutting your teeth in rooms like the one that you're all sitting in right now uh, to going to potentially getting passed at a place like The Punchline. And a uh, round of applause, who's familiar with The Punchline? All right. Uh, I know I see a lot of faces there that go every Sunday night to the showcase, so you're gonna see a little bit of that here. Um, and it's, how'd it go in there? Was it good? Great. Uh, and so, yeah, Pam was kind enough to, to help host this. Um, and, you know, Mutiny's been a part of my life for the last couple of years. Pam's been a part of my life since we met at the Brainwash, and uh, she made me laugh because she has a really, really good uh, joke about men's scrotums, which is fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, we put this together. Uh, it took about four weeks to shoot, um, and we're very, very happy uh, that, that it all came together the way it is, and I hope you guys enjoy it very much. Uh, and if you stick around afterward, I will be around if you want to hang out and ask any questions. Um, and there are also pork rinds that I brought. And feel free to heckle me as you go. Okay. a little bit nervous before I go on any stage. 
It's the fear of not being able to control something. It's always in the back of your mind that you might bomb, but you can actually every day chip away at that fear. And the more you confront it, the less it affects you. Guys, the next comedian, very funny guy, open micer in San Francisco. Guys, give it up in for Nick Scarpino. Comedy is everything, man. Everything. My wife. Comedy is relatable. Comedy means to me connectivity with the human race. Freedom. Comedy is crazy hard. Like in the ability to make someone laugh, they have to relate to it, but also be detached from the situation at the same time. It's definitely an art form. It's a never-ending pursuit to just make people giggle. It's the one thing that's a constant in my life. Comedy is it's different things for different people, but I mean, honestly, what I think it's all about is it's about, it's about happiness, it's about joy, it's about doing something positive. Comedy is life. That's life right there, yeah. We did read feminist fairy tales, though, growing up. We had one book called Sleeping Witty, which is exactly the same as Sleeping Beauty, but it's her personality that's charming. So when she falls asleep, no one wants to kiss her, and she dies. Comedy is a necessity. <laughs> You know, the old adage, laughter is the best medicine, I 100% believe. For me, it's been a tremendously challenging and incredibly positive and rewarding experience, just the year and a half that I've done it so far. Man, I had a weird thing happen to me the other day. Um, actually, I pulled my car over to get a cup of coffee, and a girl got into my back seat uh, because she thought I was her Uber. <laughs> yeah, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and neither of us knew who was supposed to be scared in that situation. <laughs> and uh, it turns out it still gets to be her. It does, yeah. Having everyone laugh because of something you said is a good feeling to have. It's very validating. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Give it up for your host, Boris. There's a number of things that you can do to make friends. You could be good at sports, I guess. You could be great looking, and people just want to be around you. Uh, I was neither of those things, so I had to be the funny guy. You want to be liked. And I'm a tremendously insecure person. I've used comedy to mask insecurity since the day I realized that that was a tool. I was the kid that would go to the pool and not take a shirt off. I was very overweight. And so I think, like a lot of people, you kind of look for a natural way to fit in or a natural way to like impress people. And so for me, I developed humor as sort of that way of ingratiating myself to people. I could make people laugh, I could entertain people, and that might be one of the reasons that they'd want me around. You said there was a sponsor today, right? Yeah. Because people told me I was funny, it definitely set me on a different path. Yeah, don't go live until I got this copy in, sorry and that really led me all the way up into where I'm at right now with Kind of Funny. We make content based around entertainment and games. Uh, we make podcasts, funny videos. I do a morning show every day. All right, that's it for the review, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go into some tips. Kind of Funny is above and beyond any of the dreams we ever had for it when we used to sit around my kitchen table and talk about what we were going to do. It is nonstop. We use every ounce of energy and every moment of the day here. 
It's a place for us to come every day and sort of like interpret the world around us for our audience. Is it me? It's not. It's, it's the same, same hairline. hairline. This motherfucker is me. <laughs> Wait. One of the biggest lessons that I had to learn was how to be a personality, how to be on camera. If I'm being completely honest, uh, Nick being on camera in the beginning was, it, it was it was difficult. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was written by like Conan O'Brien and a bunch of awesome, like awesome writers were on it. And it was, it, will you please shut the fuck up about The Simpsons unless we're switching the topic to The Simpsons? I thought we were changing Tim's talk to The Simpsons. Well, I want to mention Voltron. I'm going to murder bit. myself. <laughs> At times it would sway between him not feeling like he can keep up with the rest of the people at the table, but then also wanting to be funny and wanting to insert himself. It's a process, you know, you jump in and you just try to you try to keep up with the guys around you and then hopefully you you learn some stuff. My topic is New Year's resolutions. And I know we've done this topic before. We've talked but about it's a new year. It's a tradition. Well we've talked about whether or not we like New Year's resolutions. I want us to set New Year's resolutions. I find it incredibly powerful to tell people just to actually vocalize that you want to do something because then it makes it real. Now my bucket list included uh, things like losing weight, which it always does because mm -hmm. that's the number one big thing for me. Um, being more fit, working out, yada, yada, yada. It also included going back to jujitsu. If you let a dream rattle around in your head forever, that's where it's going to stay. And then the last thing on my list is doing stand-up comedy. Like I wanted what? To, really? I wanted to do a stand-up set. I've always wanted to do this. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought that would be a really great way to put it out into the world and hold myself accountable toward actually accomplishing that, that dream. I Googled open mic comedy in San Francisco and found the Brainwash Cafe, which was the first place that I think a lot of people go to do open mic comedy, because at the time, there was a mic happening every day. And so I showed up and the host, a guy named Tony Sparks, who uh, a lot of people call godfather of comedy up here, was hosting that night. I met Nick Scarpino at the Brainwash. It was a laundromat, the food was good, and the staff there was always really great. Nick came to do, I would imagine, I'm gonna guess, his first set there. He tells you when you sign up if it's your first time put a star by your name. I didn't know why at the time, but when he went up, he said, listen, everyone. Your next comic is new to the room, so that means give him See it bigger. We have a lot of young people that are really not ready. <laughs> and they, but you know, you want to support people and you don't want to kill anyone's dream. He was really excellent at setting up the room and giving people the right vibe of like, this is comedy. Mm -hmm. So don't get offended if someone says the F word or whatever. And so I really liked that. And I was like, I think this is going to be the place that I'm going to do comedy. Here he is, y'all. Give it up for Nick Scarpino. <laughs> Prior to the first time I tried stand up, I was like, I'm going to crush this. Like, I remember telling one of my friends, I'm like, Everyone always says it takes like 10 years to get good at this, but I am a podcaster and maybe you don't understand what that means, sir. But I have been in the public eye for at least a year now and I'm pretty sure I'm a veteran. And I went up and I bombed. Any child under the age of five tends to be a little monster in my opinion. And I know what you guys are thinking, no, all kids are angels, they're all saints, they're not. Uh, because when you break down what a child does, it's essentially just a little animal that runs around all day screaming his head off, and then he stops, and then he looks you in the eye, and he shits himself. Now, if I did that, you would think I was an asshole, right? Or just someone starting to stand-up comedy. And I remember distinctly going up the first time and hearing someone take their, their, their load out of the dryer and shut the door after my first joke. It's terrifying, because time stands still for a second, and you realize, I've got two more minutes of standing up here, 
and looking into people's eyes as they're they're clearly thinking this guy is bombing he's dying right here you get you get to <laughs> and it was it was eye-opening it was a lot harder than i thought and actually if i knew then what i knew now i, I would probably go back and like don't don't do this to yourself live an easier life this was a completely uncharted territory for me and so i had to ask myself like, do I really want to do this again? Like, that's pain. I went back to the brainwash probably once or twice a week for a while. I remember the first laugh I got was a joke about my mom being super Catholic. Um, and the setup for it was, it's such a just stupid joke. But I was like, my mom's so Catholic, God's scared of her. And it got a, the whole place laughed. And I was like, oh, that was fun. That was really good. A trigger kind of switched in my brain where I was like, I want to keep doing this. I started doing open mics, and I'm doing as many of them as I possibly can. Right now, the goal in the next year or two for me is getting past a punchline. What that means is that you get to actually maybe potentially open up for the big acts that come through. Punchline, that's like the pinnacle. It's kind of like a, the mecca of the mecca of comedy in San Francisco. It's like the top. If you get past here, then it looks good everywhere. It's the oldest comedy club in San Francisco. At Punchline, basically the way it works, you go to what's called the SF Showcase every Sunday. You need to show up every Sunday for a year, and that's before they'll even really look at you. You show up, you watch the show, you can just kind of network, get to know people, and... Just sit there for two hours and watch the show. And maybe at some point, the person who's in charge of booking the show will pick you to go up for five minutes. When you are sitting there watching, learning what bombed, why it bombed, or why people did well, just seeing what people respond to, that's a lot, and it shows interest, and eventually we get to you. You want to be known as, oh, I saw that guy eat it on stage for five years? Or do you want to suddenly be seen and be like, oh, wow, that person came out of the blue. They're really good. I'm going to put them on my show. You just kind of got to put in your time. This is a pretty big time commitment, especially on a Sunday night for someone who has a job the next day to go to. So I'm almost at the end of that. If not, I think I've blown past the year mark going. I have not been picked yet, no. Once you do get picked, you better do well because you might not get picked again for six months. I don't know, and you have to keep coming back. And so every time you get an opportunity to go up, you gotta deliver. Generally, I try to hit open mics three to four days a week, and I'll try to hit as many of them as possible each night. Uh, Tuesdays, for instance, I can hit three of them. If I get out of here by 4.30, I know I can go do the mic at OMG at 5.30, Tope at 7.30, and then Grant and Green at 8.45. How you guys feeling? How you doing, Paul? You good? And that's a great opportunity to go and work through material because you can see it three different times and tweak it a little bit on the road there and then see through different audiences so you can get that data from that of saying, like, okay, I think this actually got last two out of three times. We're good to go. Let's keep this in the set. Live in three, two. Well, it's Monday. <laughs> I feel like you felt the same way as me on that one. Like, wow, the weekend came and went. Of course, today, uh, I am happy to be joined yet again by uh, Rooster Teeth's Jeff Ramsey. Howdy, my dear, dear friends. Rooster Teeth is a media company based out of Austin, Texas. They decided to start an entire gaming division of their company called Achievement Hunter, and Achievement Hunter is Jeff. Jeff is the head of that organization. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Jeff from Achievement Hunter. Nick and I are friends. We like each other very much. When he told me he was trying stand-up, it's one of those things where Hearing his approach to it was really refreshing. Nick is successful enough and kind of funny is a big enough player in the entertainment market that Nick could take a lot of shortcuts 
with his stand-up career if he wanted to. And when he explained to me why he doesn't want to and how he wants to garner the respect of local comedians and he wants to have that full experience of struggling and suffering and going to a place like the Punchline every Sunday for a year just to get a shot at five minutes. I thought it was just, it was just inspirational and kind of aspirational, honestly. I'm hoping to get Jeff to go up on stage and do comedy for the first time. That's another big goal of mine. It's a very beautiful and vulnerable thing to see. I'm gonna take you to a couple open mics tonight. We're gonna go over to OMG, which you haven't been to, which okay. is the worst mic like I've ever experienced. And then after that, we're gonna go to Maggie McGeary's, which is a phenomenal mic, especially for first timers. So we'll make sure we get to both thoroughly so we can get uh, at least my name on the list. Yeah, let's definitely get your name on the list. Yeah, so we're gonna 100% get my name on the let's list. Let's do that. If I can remember how to spell your last name, you might be on the list too. He's just one of those guys that I really feel would get a lot out of being on stage. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is the ideal length for your first stand-up? Like, what do you want to hit? I, I assume, like, five minutes? Five I think minutes? where you want to be is you probably want to have a good five minutes of material, and you want to have that to the point where um, you feel comfortable just going on stage saying it, and then if you want to jump in and out of it or do any little crowd work or whatever. Tonight, you get four minutes, but if you buy a drink to help support the establishment, uh, you, get, you get an extra two minutes. This is my favorite thing. Oh, not it's an old Boston. Hey, buddy. Oh, you got it, you just can't get grip. That's how I feel sometimes. Just worn to the bone. The hardest thing for me over the last year was really just getting comfortable in my own skin on stage. Because I'm still not to a place where I can have fun when I'm bombing. That still feels like someone's just gutting me. It's a hubris thing. Yeah, it's totally hubris. Five just minutes is longer that. than you think it is, I bet. Five minutes is an eternity when you're not getting laughs. Like, just, you get off. Don't, don't outstay your welcome, you know? Having never written jokes in this capacity before stand-up before, it's a new territory for me. And stand-up comedy, it's like reinventing the wheel every night. New crowd, they don't know anything about you, and you gotta be good in that moment. I've done videos with you guys where it takes like an hour to set up, and then you gotta get the energy back up, and then you do it, and you have a good time, and then you put it out to the audience a month later, and you see their response. And sometimes it's great, and sometimes they, you know, tell you you're gaining weight, and it is soul crushing. <laughs> but you don't get to hear them live. And you think, if they thought I was fat in that video, yeah, like, oh Jesus no. Jesus Christ, that was a month ago. Okay, so tell me if this is a funny way to start off. Uh, give it to me. All right. Yep. I get up and I'm like, hey, uh, how's it going? Uh, give yourselves a big round of applause. My name is Jeff Ramsey. Uh, screw it. I'm gonna do it. They told me not to do it. They. <laughs> They, without a doubt, with a hands down, every single person told me this was a bad idea, but I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with my gut. Uh, I'm gonna let you guys know this is the first time I've ever done comedy. It's my very first stand-up. Gotta, gotta be honest with you, I expected a bit of a bigger reaction from you guys. It usually kills when I say that. <laughs> I, I, usually, like that. I, I usually get a much bigger reaction from that. That's good, I like that a lot. That's a fun, okay-ish way to start? Yeah, that's great. Are you here before me? No, no I got oh, okay. But I'm taking it, man. All right, man. Fine. So this is the open mic that comics sometimes go to on uh, Sunday nights. Comics show up, they sign up, uh, and then they try out some of their newer bits in front of their peers, and they'll watch with varying degrees of enthusiasm. Generally, when you go to an open mic, you're going to see nothing but comics, and maybe a couple bar dwellers that should probably have addressed their alcoholism about 10 years earlier. Guess what? I'm Joe Corbin. I'm going to be your host and MC. Nick has spent most of the time trying to convince me that I am a stand-up comedian, and I just don't know it yet, and that I should do it, and that if I did it, I would never stop. Oh, man. Hey, Max, 
Jackson, you flawlessly hand me the sign-up sheet because I forgot what comic is number one, huh? Maybe if the mood strikes me, I'll get up on stage, but I don't have a way to end the set yet, so I don't. I, I, that would have to present itself today, and I don't know that it will. Everyone gets four minutes of stage time, but if you buy a drink from your lovely bartender or cash, you can get more time on stage. That being said, let's keep it going for your first comic of the evening, a dear friend, Mr. Nick Scarpino, everyone. <laughs> One more time for Joe Gorman, holding it down on a Sunday night. How's everyone feeling tonight? All right, there it is. That's the, that's the real reality. I love walking around the city. I saw a weird thing. I saw a woman pushing a stroller with three dogs in it. I hate people who see their dogs uh, as their children, okay? Dogs are not your kids. And there is a very easy way uh, to distinguish between the two. If your kid uh, is consistently licking its own asshole, that's your dog. <laughs> and if it's not your dog, that kid should be in the circus somewhere. I'm never sure that I am funny. Until I get a laugh, I'm not sure if that joke's funny. And then even after that, I'm like, it might not do well at the next one. Um, think about the new stuff I have today. People kind of know in San Francisco that this is where you practice, this is where you grow up. Stand-up comedy is a conversation with you in the audience, and the only way to figure out what that is is just to do it over and over and over, and to suck and just eat your shorts, and then get up again and be like, okay, okay, well, what did I learn from that? The more you grind, the more stage time you have, the quicker you'll get better. All right, everybody, hey, uh, she's a new comedian, so be nice, pay attention, take notes, and clap wildly for Tahina Devin. I'm actually really excited to be here, seriously. only to be doing comedy, but actually that I just remembered that I have anywhere to be at all. <laughs> I mean, it was a big day for me. I like to focus on the wins. I met Bill Cosby a long time ago. I was in LA when he was there. He spiked my drink with five hour energy. It's just, it's sad, but it's okay. I, I don't have a problem with aging. I am so old that all my wigs are losing their hair. And, um, that's all I got. That, that went too fast. Oh I, thought, I thought it'd be over sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, Bettina Davis. Do people, people have comments? Anyone? I don't always have to start. I like your Bill Cosby joke. Uh, and I think you can push that further. You can keep going with that. Because the expectation, of course, is going to be he did something horrible to you. And he didn't. He gave you more. Because he didn't want to drug me. Yeah. Yeah, so like how that. did I... <laughs> I saw a really encouraging and supportive microcosm of a community. It's cool. It's a really cool environment. The comedy scene here in San Francisco is the best breeding ground for comedy. In places like LA or New York, if you're starting off there, the chances of you getting run out is much higher. Oh, I see. I think this was a great place to develop your act, develop who you are as a person on stage, and then you take that to somewhere like New York or LA from there. Pay attention, everybody, and get ready for Nick Scarpino. The San Francisco comedy scene is small, which is good because you can meet a lot of people pretty quickly. There's a lot of open mics to be such a small scene, so there's a lot of opportunity for stage time. Uh, I have a lot of great friends on the internet, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is watch them get really emboldened uh, and impassioned about things that are happening 
uh, in everyday uh, life. Like for instance, like the, the big thing that happened a few months ago, like six months ago, was net neutrality, right? And all my friends are on the internet and they're like, you know, we've, we've got to fight this with everything we've got. And I, I literally have one of my friends um, who said, and this is a direct quote, I will fight this with every fiber of my being. You guys want to call him right now and see how the fight's going? <laughs> I'll give him a call late at night, and, and that kind of goes a little like this. Hey, man. It's Nick. Just checking in. Seeing how the fight's going. That net neutrality fight. You're probably not answering your phone because you're busy with the fight. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like that very much, but I get a kick out of it. There's like a competitive level of collaboration and, and it's the most positive, beautiful thing. It'll make you better. There's, there's the point where like, you're not answering the phone and you can actually just go back to the fiber line just with the same amount of disdain. I definitely don't like to surround myself with people who will just kind of tell me what I want to hear. I mean, I'd love that, but I know in the back of my brain that's not the way to move forward in life. Like, the problem is so like, obvious, but maybe you could be like, he's not picking up the phone because yeah. he's using every Google fiber in his book. Right, right, right. I don't know, something the, like My only that. issue is like, the, 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 I've already introduced net neutrality, yeah. which might make people go, wait, do I have to know what net neutrality is for the joke right now? I need people around me that I can bounce ideas off of. There are some universal truths in the world, and then there are some things that are subjective. And the subjective part of life is where the conversation happens. But if you're only ever having a conversation with yourself or with someone who is exactly like you, you're not really giving yourself the potential for growth. I don't know, I gotta work that one out. Okay, well I'm gonna, instead of being here, I'm gonna be other places now. Okay, see you later. Okay, humans, uh, listen. As always, everybody gets four minutes. Uh, people, please, please support the people on stage because your time is coming up and you aren't that great either, all right? Tony is a lot of people's mentor. He's a guy that a lot of people look up to because when you're just starting out, he's the guide. He's the one that literally takes you through the process of you're gonna go up on stage, you're gonna do this, I'm gonna give you a light, and you're gonna come off. And he's been doing that for years. Well, I started doing this when I was 16, and I wrote for two years before I ever did it. It was straight ahead jokes, basically. You know, I set up punch, you know, one-liners but I would always do a really weird character to open and to grab the audience. And then I would move into just jokes. And I'm 16, so I'm in actual like clubs with people, like clubs with adults and stuff. I contacted every place that was a club club. I mean, I even contacted Optimus Club, Kiwanis Club, anything that said club, I contacted them. I even did strip clubs. So I was really trying to make a living out there. I ended up getting my own room, and then people heard about me, and I had a room every night of the week as a host. And I realized that I couldn't do an act every night, the same act, because I was getting a lot of repeat customers, so I just started making stuff up on the fly. All you guys know one another? All you guys know one another? That is great, that is great to go. And this is Boys Night Out right here? Is that what it is? I didn't realize what I was doing. It was years and years had gone by before I realized what I was doing. 
but this is my new voice, my new style. And once you understand your voice, it's time for you to really start moving forward. Stand-up comedy is the only context in which a man's ever told me that he loves how wonderfully dry I am. Oh, God. This is what I've noticed. I've noticed that anywhere from six to eight years, people really grow. You can cut to the chase and make that better in a short time. There's a comic, a buddy of mine, her name is Carla Clay. Carla would tape herself every show. And this was VHS back then, and would watch herself over and over, and she only had eight minutes worth of material. Let me tell you something, that was the tightest, sharpest, most polished eight minutes ever. I'm from California, right? I'm born and raised here in San Francisco. I, I, think, I, I think I'm gonna move this back, because there's some bullshit going on here in California I don't appreciate. All these laws aren't passing. You know, like we can't drive with our cell phones in our hands anymore. And I was good at that shit. <laughs> And he passed a law not too long ago where you can't smoke in your car if you have kids. So I told my two-year-old, I said, look, you got to go. <laughs> Yo, you can't ride with me no more, damn it. Get your ass on the bus. <laughs> Shit, it's free for you anyway. <laughs> Yo, I ain't going to jail for you no more, damn it. Shit. That was one of the hardest things to learn was you have to go back and listen to yourself and watch yourself and you have to critique yourself. And just being able to press play on the video was like anxiety inducing. You told me to move this thing out of the way, just in case someone confuses it with my dick. Uh, <laughs> she was like, oh, he said dick jump right off the bat. Where's he going with that one? Like, I understand now what an opener is and why it's important to come out strong with the very first joke to get the audience on your side. Not only that, my performance has changed in that if you go back and watch me earlier, I'm pacing nervously back and forth. I'm not making eye contact with the audience. I'm making zero effort to actually engage the audience on a personal level. That level of stage presence is something that you don't think about until you watch yourself back and go, oh, no wonder I'm making people nervous. It's not gonna go over very well. Get to it. We'll see. Um, Tell them the fucking joke. It's just the fact that- My comedy's very much changed since that first set. This is the Brainwash Laundromat and Cafe, and they've looks like they've taken some of the signage down. You can still see the main sign up there. It's unfortunately, uh, it's closed down uh, in the recent months. I think the city just changed too much. It's a somber day for a lot of people. Wow, they've gutted it. They took the kitchen out and everything. Here's what really happened is the lease came up and like every place in San Francisco, when the lease comes up, the landlord goes, cool, let's double it or triple it, which for a place like this that has not a lot of margins is a death sentence. I relied on that place. Seven days a week there were mics there and then it became five days a week and then they closed it. It's just a sign that at any moment everything can change and you just gotta, you just gotta go with it, you know? San Francisco has changed so much in the last 12 years since I moved here. You can still feel that, that original San Francisco vibe of like social activism and like we want to keep things organic and real and small. And then 10 years later, it's Apple stores and Nike stores and the money's here and everyone's got an app and you just feel like maybe you're not even interacting with real human beings anymore. The city is, is way too expensive. The, the disparity between 
the super rich and the people who have nothing is shocking. Living in a city that's the most expensive city in the United States to live in, as a comic, it can be very hard and very stressful. Most comedians find the same thing that uh, they all have shitty jobs that they're doing during the day. You know, they're always doing something during the day to make up for the time that they could, uh, you know, follow passion at night. I work at a 25-person startup. I'm a stay-at-home mom during the day. I have three kids. I'm stand-up comedian. I'm a security guard. I actually have a day job. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and now I work in IT in San Francisco, um, and I am a stand-up comic <laughs> or something. Yeah. I work in IT. That's cool, right? Usually I wear glasses so that people believe me when I say that. The general way I've seen it work is you go from being an open mic comedian to trying to work your way through a club system like a punchline or Cobbs, and that could take three or four years. Once you do that, you can become either an unpaid regular or a paid regular. But when I say paid regular, like I'm, I'm assuming you're getting paid maybe 25 bucks a set. And so you do the math on that, even at 10 sets a week, you're probably not making enough to live in San Francisco. I'd be really flattered if people thought I could afford a basement in San Francisco. To get from Sacramento to San Francisco, today it took about an hour and a half. And it's been three hours sometimes. We usually carpool down here from the North Bay area. I just uh, finally got a house locked down here. I was living in my car for like 18 months. I got kids to feed, Yeah, eight of them. <laughs> I forgot the Brady Bunch, holy shit. <laughs> I look at what a lot of the comics that are starting out right now, where they're at, and I, I respect them so much. And when I see people who are living in their car or in a hotel, I feel like a phony, and I feel like they're doing it for real. Whereas I'm just kind of putting a toe into their world. For all of the city's faults, its greatest weakness, I think, is also its biggest strength, is that we are all kind of cramped together. So when you want to go out and see people and experience the city, you literally just have to open your door and walk outside. You've got every type of caricature you could possibly want to paint packed into this one little place. And it is the best inspiration for comedy. You can't even believe it. Sir, would you say your dog is your son or is, is like a child to you? It's not. I saw a woman with like three little shih tzus, uh, just like wheeling them around and what are the baby carriers called, carriages? I'm tired of this, we have to stop this. If your kid, if your child keeps licking its own asshole, is constantly licking its own asshole, that's your dog. <laughs> so that's how, that's the only way you can tell, but that's, that's basically how I like to figure that one out. When I started doing comedy, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to start from open mics, and start writing my own material and just seeing how it would work. There's value in the grind, and that's really what it is. Ooh, thank you. I wanted to expose Jeff to as much of this as possible with the, with the not-so-subtle uh, ulterior motive of getting his ass on stage. He said he wasn't ready the first time he came out, and I don't want to be that guy that throws people into the deep end, but I also do want to be that guy that throws people in the deep end, because you have to have a thing to work toward. Seriously, how much do you hate San Francisco at this point? I'm gonna hate it, I practically live here. You've been back like four times in a month. This, this is thing. like my sixth trip and it's May. <laughs> I invited Jeff back because I wanted to try and get him back up on stage and it worked. How you feeling? I feel okay. Yeah? Yeah, Are I feel you ready right. for this? I mean, I guess. Yeah? I wanted him to have the real experience first. 
and the real experience is you take him to the worst mic I could think of, just bad as in there might not be anyone there, or he might have two or three people that are watching him and just kind of nodding when they should be laughing. I dig so hard I make the metal detector go off. Um, That's reality. I think that gives you sort of like a jumping off point of like, okay, this is as bad as it can get. Well, Sam, how you doing, buddy? Good. This is my friend Jeff, by the way. Jeff, you're gonna meet you, Jeff. Nice to meet you. This is gonna be his first ever Oh, open mic. tonight? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is it. That's the rumor. We finally talked him into it. It took me three weeks to talk him into it. He flew out here from Austin, Texas to come. This be my oh, first wow. and my last night doing no. stand-up. Uh, you never know, man. You, you get never the know. You may it. fall in love with it. It's possible. It, it may choose you. We'll see. All right. But you already have doubts, so that's, <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good, actually a good sign, man. Oh, okay, good. You know, Jeff's a very humble guy. I think I'm funnier than most people. I do. He's like a genius level intellect. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, and I think I would be good at it because I think I'm funny. A lot of YouTube stars get really big, then they go, "I'm a comedian," you know, and they fail miserably. Jeff's got hundreds of thousands of followers. They get millions of views on all their videos. That is great, and it's great for their audience, but it's not intimate. It's not that personal connection you can have with 20 or 30 or 100 people that are sitting there waiting for you to say the thing that's gonna evoke that emotion in them. But you just have to be full of yourself, you know? I can't imagine somebody giving something like this a try if they didn't have some level of, maybe in my case, misplaced confidence about themselves, yeah. This thing's starting a little late tonight, huh? Yeah, we're gonna start a little late because of the game. Tonight's gonna be what it is. I wanted him to get an authentic experience. Let me go check in and make sure everything is going to go the way we think it is. Okay. <laughs> I know. I have a feeling this game's going late, so I don't know if they're gonna run the mic during the game or not. Uh, I assume we're gonna have to. That would make for a unique experience. It'll be fun. The mic was supposed to happen at 5.30. It got pushed back to eight because there was a Warriors playoff game. And obviously the entire bar was rooting for uh, Golden State Warriors because we're in San Francisco and like, go Warriors. Um, so this is how it's gonna go down, okay? okay. All right. Uh, we had, of course we had to move the show back because of the, the game. games, all right? Now the people who have the showcase after, the, uh, after us, mm -hmm. they don't want to budge on their show. What time's that start? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, okay. So this is what we're gonna do. We can get you a guest set. What does that mean? We're gonna get you a set on the Showcase show. Shit. Four minutes. All right. Four minutes. <laughs> Four minutes. Four minutes. Okay. The actual safety net that I wanted to provide for him, which was the mic where it was maybe some other people weren't doing so well or whatever, that dropped out. We put him right into a Showcase. Are I'm you working for two days to get down to, five, to get two five minutes. Okay. So now I'm raised with, do I cut something or talk faster? I think uh, I would cut something. Do you have a, is there a joke somewhere in the middle that you could cut? Everything the I good, have is beautiful. The good thing to have to think about is just that, the whatever the closing joke's gonna be. Yeah. You now have to go up before and after real comics. People who've been doing this, who gig at Punchline, who are just here to like, you know, do a showcase. I'd prefer not to have to pivot now. I think that added to the anxiety for Jeff. I had kind of things leading into each other, so it's hard to figure out where to cut. Yeah. So... If you want some time to just go through your set, we can just... Well, I have till 8, right? Exactly. I need 10 minutes to figure that out, probably. Yeah. Oh, shit, it's 7.30, so... Yeah. Let me see how fast I can... Space. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Let me see how fast I can sure. do this. Yeah.
He was shitting kittens when I saw him at Milk Bar. And that was awesome to see for two reasons. One, it reminded me of the first few times that I went up, but also it means that he was serious about it. You're gonna have fun. It's gonna be a blast. Thank yeah. you for doing this. I'm just sad that you're not gonna have fun. Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm good. Hey, listen, humans, this is gonna be this guy's first time here, so in order for this to work, I need you to really show this guy major, major love. All right, humans? Are we all down for that, huh? Okay. All right, so here we go. I need you to really go crazy for Jeff Ramsey. Francisco, and uh, I got some advice before coming up here. They said, do not say this next part, but I gotta go with my gut. So I'm gonna let you guys know, not only is it my first time here, this is my first time ever doing stand-up in my entire life. And, uh, yeah. Now, you see, usually when I leave with that, it gets a much better response. I'm a little disappointed in you guys, I gotta be honest with you. It's okay, we're early in the set. You can win me back. I'd recommend maybe laughing at the next joke. That'll go a long way. Speaking of the next joke, I don't know what kind of preconceived notions you may have about me, but uh, if for the next two minutes you could suspend any disbelief you may or may not have, assume that I am straight, it would help these jokes hit their like maximum comedic velocity. So uh, I was reading on the internet that uh, caffeine is the most addictive drug on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Nick apparently agrees. I say bullshit. Nick, and all of you, and here's why. I can prove it right here. I've never sucked a guy's dick for a cup of coffee. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I've sucked a dick for, I don't know, meth, but if I came to you and I said, sir, I just sucked a guy's dick for some meth, you would go, wow, that guy really likes meth. But if I went to you and I said, I just sucked a guy's dick for an espresso, you would go, wow, that guy really likes sucking dick. <laughs> I knew he wouldn't crumble. I knew he wasn't going to be you know, a traumatizing experience for him. You were an audience, I was Jeff, and uh, we're done. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. I heard one laugh early on, and I don't remember what it was, but that laugh felt like dynamite, and then I didn't care anymore. I was so in my head just trying to remember everything that I wasn't... Like, I was kind of oblivious to what was going on around me. I knew he'd walk off that stage and go, that was cool. You could be successful in, within two years if you play it right, if you record yourself, if you realize, oh, this is my r vocal rhythm. This is my, and go with your vocal rhythm and don't worry about anything else. And just remember the rule, 25 words or less to the laugh. You'll always win. I've never heard that before. 25 words 25 or less. 25 words or less to the funny part. I'll write that down if you don't okay. mind. Okay. Oh, that's the that's a main rule. If if I don't say anything that you remember as far as comedy is concerned, 
remember that one thing. I'd like to do it one more time with no pressure, no nerves. And I saw the line, I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna finish. <laughs> I can see myself getting more out of it just because I feel like some of the pressures that I had here would not be on me. But that's almost like cheating too because this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, Tony, thank you so much. If I were to continue down this path, I'll have to begin that process of trying to figure out like what my point of view is and what it is I'm trying to say. Most of my comedy is self-facing. I am going through like all kinds of divorce and shit that probably would be rife for uh, material, but I di didn't, didn't wanna start making jokes about it just yet. I'll get there, but uh, this isn't as funny as my first divorce. The second divorce is never as funny as the first. So it's taken me a little longer to get to a point where I can make jokes about it. I think every comic is doing comedy for different reasons, but the one through line that I've seen is that it's, it's therapy for people. Anyway, guys, I'm bipolar. My stepdad died recently. I'm day drinking today. I'm excited to be out here because I got out of rehab recently. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Couple moves, cool. I got a DUI recently, actually. I got a DUI. I can't drive for three months, but on the bright side, I probably won't get another DUI for three months. It's your way of saying either something's broken in me or something's broken in the world that I can't rectify, and I need to go talk about that. It just makes problems, like, smaller. I found out that one of my roommates actually suffered from suicidal depression. I actually have to talk about it killing himself, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, yo, man. Do not do this to yourself, man. You have so much to live for right now, man. It is your night to do those fucking dishes. It is your night <laughs> to do those fucking dishes, man. Comedy is totally therapy in a lot of ways. It may not be the healthiest therapy. I am trying to get in shape because I have three children. I have three children in three years, and that does a lot of bad shit to your body. It was a mistake that you can never go back from. You can go super self-destructive with it, or you can point the lens inward and, and, and laugh at uh, the things that you hate or lament about yourself. It's like when you put a candy bar on a hot dashboard and it melts and you come back later and the car is cold and it's re-solidified and you open the wrapper and you're like, what the fuck happened to this candy bar? That is exactly what's going on with my body right now. <laughs> I think it's probably the, the healthier alternative. Hey, don't worry, I'm not gonna talk about recovery all that, guys. I didn't come here to talk about recovery. Um, I actually came here to talk about God. To look at it and go up on stage and tell people that you're having psychological problems you're, it's, it's hard, but to make fun of your psychological problems, it kind of takes the sting out of it, and then you can address those issues, you know? Thank you guys very much for your time. Thank you. Oh, Mark has a brand new album coming out called Fuck Punchlines, Let's Talk. Uh, that was beautiful, Mark. You need to work on making the shit fun. All right. Uh, <laughs> I... You're spend my nights fighting crime. Mm -hmm. And by fighting crime, I mean failing at open mics yeah. or trying to learn how to do jujitsu. The feeling you get walking to a club and then walking into jujitsu is exactly the same. It's like, what's it gonna be tonight? I wanted to start doing jujitsu because I was very claustrophobic and I had some anxiety issues. And I thought that that was a good way to um, confront those fears. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is one of those things where you can't fake it. You go in, and if you haven't put the time in, there are dire consequences for you. And that's just the way it goes. And I think I really like situations like that. There are numerous 
things you can do where you just spend six months and someone will give you a reward for that. With jujitsu, I could spend six years doing it and not get good enough to actually get you know a belt promotion uh, because I'm not putting the time into it, right? If you put the time and the effort in, you will get rewarded. If you don't, you get your ass kicked. And with comedy, you gotta put the time in. And, and I think I like that, and I think I like that about jujitsu as well. You know, there, there are odd similarities between the two, and it's weird that I chose to do those things right at the same time. It's not the easiest thing to work a, an eight-hour day and then go sit for two hours and then wait for your five minutes to go up there and try to have energy and try to have that level of engagement with an audience that may or may not be even, like there's sometimes the audience didn't even know there was comedy happening that night. It is a daily, weekly, monthly grind. My wife, uh, you know, I think she'd like to see me more. Uh, I don't know how much more. Uh, in my brain maybe, I think she wants to see me every day, but I think maybe in reality it's one more day would be good. It's difficult because, you know, I come home and she's asleep already. And so it's, it, it sucks. But I also think that she sees how happy it's made me. So when we do get to spend time together, it's better. Good to see you. Good how you been? You, brother. Yeah? Tonight, we're starting here at OMG. Shake off the rust, get up, uh, work through some material. Yeah, Tony doesn't need to shake the rust off. Tony's rust-free. Uh, He's know. good. He's nerves of steel. I don't know. He's not like the rest of us who have to do our same sad, tired jokes over and over again in the hopes that someone picks us. Uh, well, the difference between you and me is that I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> If they don't like me, fuck them. Yeah, I'm here to do the set that I would do, uh, assuming that I'm gonna get up at Punchline, which is what I've done for the last year, basically. There's not a lot of comics here tonight, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Are you ready for this jelly? Yeah! Some women showed up tonight because I hate it when it's all dudes because it feels like jail. And, and when it's all white dudes, it feels like federal penitentiary. All right. I'm sure, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm sure you're gonna do really well when you get up, brother. All right? No, this guy right here, man, he is, he, he is really, you are a really funny and well-written comic, you know? And, uh, and you are very, very arrogant, and that's good. That's a, that's a good way to go. That is a great way to go. All right. My favorite thing about this mic so far is that there's a gentleman in the back having a conversation, and I'm, I'm more interested in what he has to say than what I have to say right now, so you know it's an OMG night. I say that to my wife every once in a while, I'll get all, I'll get all high and mighty, and I'll say, babe, you know what women hate? And she'll be like, no, what do women hate? And guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but when um, your wife answers your question with the same question, uh, she does not want the answer to that question. Just maintain eye contact and back away slowly. It's gonna be okay. Uh, the other day, we were in the line of the security for the, for the airport, and some guy totally saw me, didn't give a shit, totally helped my wife put her jacket back on, and I was like, sir, how dare you? because he was so good looking that I kind of wanted him to help me put my jacket on, um, and he wouldn't do it. And I was like, babe, 
My wife was like, fuck off. Go call mom and dad. Pretend like you're my little brother. And I was like, uh, you know, what's mine is yours. I got to figure that joke out at some point. Uh, let's see, what else do I have for you fine gentlemen today? Um, is he asleep or is he, oh, you're with, okay, the, just, the meatball sandwich just caught up to you. I see, it's nap time. I'll be there in a second. In about four minutes, I'll be sleeping right next to you. I think I'll let it, uh, I'll let that one lay. We'll just play that one where it lays, Joe. Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Fuck! Yeah, Nick! Nick Scarpino, huh? That was, that's painful. Uh, next, we're gonna go over to Punchline and see if we can't recreate that fun experience. I feel like you got that brain fog, you know? Do you ever get that where you're like, I just, my brain, my mouth is working at 100%, but my brain's only 85%, and it just lines up occasionally, but not really. That's not good. I always get nervous going to Punchline, because I haven't been up yet, and you don't know if it's gonna be your time or not. And it's the same set that I'm gonna do that I just did, so I know I can do it. Whether or not it's funny doesn't matter, it's just a matter of, well, it doesn't matter, but it's a matter of being able to deliver it through those nerves. It's quite possible I might get to go up tonight. I've, I've gone for uh, a little over a year now. I've hit up Ron, just make sure he knows that. But um, I don't know, we'll see. This is San Francisco Comedy Showcase. All your comments are in the back, show them to love. I did not get to go up tonight. Um, uh, there's always next week. I guess. Is this guy stopped? No, he's going left. So we're about uh, maybe five minutes away from Maggie McGeary's. And I've never done this mic before, so I don't know how many people are going to show up. I also don't know what this GMC is doing in front of me. What the fuck is happening? Doing anything but driving a fucking car like everyone else in San Francisco. Everyone's the center of their own little fucking world in this city. This is tiring, and it wears on you. Trying to find parking, trying to go to another mic, trying to get your name on a list for maybe five people to not listen to you is difficult. One of us is a good parallel parker. But this is one of those nights where I really am feeling like maybe I should have just stayed home. <laughs> like Westworld's on in an hour. Could have just done that instead, you know? And then you start thinking about all the other people that came out, and you're like, you know, don't be that guy that sits at home, you know? Just get your ass out. When your wife answers your question with the same question, she doesn't want the answer to that question. Just maintain eye contact and back away slowly. Try to act bigger than you are. But I wish she was like, she's only an inch taller than me, which sucks. Because I wish she was like a foot taller so we could pass it off. Uh, like maybe she's into little guys or uh, maybe I'm really into volleyball. But no, it's just an inch. Just like that joke. Because you guys, we all have friends that are like, oh, my dog is my child. And I'm like, no, your dog is not your child. And there's an easy way to figure it out, right? There's an easy way to tell the difference between the two. If your kid is constantly licking its own asshole, that's your dog. Yeah, that's how you figure that out. And that joke has, believe it or not, gotten a laugh in the past. Uh, just tonight is not that night. It's not that night. Uh, and on that beautiful, beautiful gem, I'll give it back to Austin. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it.
That was pretty painful. I did the worst thing you could possibly do. Call attention to the fact that you're not getting a laugh. Tonight's just not fun. I mean, it gets repetitive. You ask, like, tonight, I'm like, why did I go out tonight? This was useless. I should have just stayed at home and written. But I think you just have to keep doing it. <laughs> I think, I don't know. There have been moments where I've really wanted to give up. Like, I could be doing anything else, right? I mean, I have a company where I can go and, and, and make videos and get that gratification. I could put out that creative energy. I can, I can make whatever the hell I want with my company. I don't need this in my life. You know what? If anyone says that they don't bomb, they're a liar. Johnny Carson, he used to always like say that out of 10 sets, you're gonna bomb too. Hey, beautiful, how are you? All right, let's go inside and see what's happening. Everybody thinks I'm gonna be so funny, I'm gonna be famous. No, you're not. And you chances are you gonna quit. Life is gonna come around and you're gonna say, fuck this. You do question how much you love something when you're not being rewarded for it. The happy moments are very few and far between. But if Maggie McGeary's anything like uh, Granite Green, it's that's in exactly that same like neighborhood. That. Yeah, that's exactly right next door. Then there's people that don't really give a fuck. Yeah. But the beauty of it is, dude, is that you learn from every audience that you do. Sometimes you can't be completely married to your act. Sometimes it's about engaging that audience. It's about, like, connecting and pulling them in. You know how growing up you, there were some kids that wanted attention and it didn't matter how they got that attention. I think I was that kid, yeah. <laughs> All right then. So this is the time to utilize those skills. Okay. And to pull these fuckers in and then hit them with the jokes. Because once you grab them, once you get their attention, you, they're pretty much you've already sold. You know, working uh, off the cuff is not for everyone. And it takes a while to become really comfortable on stage and not worry about whether they like you or not. You gotta start taking chances. You gotta just start fucking writing a lot of shit and just going up there and throwing it against the fucking wall like cooking spaghetti, baby. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, I do. Nick has a lot more to offer, I think, than he is offering currently. I actually didn't see real Italian racism uh, until I went back to the old country, uh, New Jersey. Yeah, that's, that's where I saw a lot of it. I had a conversation with my grandmother there that really set me straight. At the time, I was, I was dating a, a Puerto Rican girl, and I, I told my grandmother that, and she was like, oh, Nikki, you can't date a Puerto Rican girl. I was like, Grandma, why not? And she was like, oh, Nikki, they'll stab you in the back. And I was like, that is some racist shit, Grandma, that you just said. Like, what if I was dating, like, a Jewish girl? And she was like, oh, Nikki, the Jews. They'll steal your money. 
And I'm like, we're just working our way down all the racial stereotypes, right? So I had to ask, I was like, Graham, I mean, I, just, I gotta hear what comes out of her mouth. What if I was dating a black girl? And she was like, oh, Nikki, the blacks, they're cool. <laughs> that conversation actually didn't happen. I just wanted to see how you got, how nervous you guys got. I actually never got to have that conversation with my grandmother because she died uh, before I was born. She was stabbed in the back by a Puerto Rican. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get back to Tony Sparks. Yes, that was fucking beautiful. There you go. Wow, what a great way to end on a racist bit. That was uh, <laughs> fantastic. I love how much shit we talk about Canada as a country. And Canada, if you start putting it down on paper, is better than our country in pretty much every single way, right? They have uh, better health care, better education, uh, fewer sick people. Uh, in fact, the only thing they really don't have that we seem to have in abundance is confidence. <laughs> like seriously, think about, think about the last 30 years. We lost the last three major fights that we got into. And we started those fights, right? Like, all of our friends were like, do not get into a fight with Afghanistan. You cannot win a fight with Afghanistan. And we were like, not with that attitude. The truth of the matter is, mm -hmm. if you're gonna be a star, you're gonna make yourself a star. Punchline's not gonna do it. It's like they're gonna use you if you are bringing people. There's two types of shows that you can really get to. One is, a show that you produce yourself, and the other is a show that is produced through a club like Punchline. Up until a certain point, I've always thought there has to be a system, right? And you figure out what the system is, you play by the rules, and you're rewarded for that. But that's not necessarily the case. Being able to be a regular at Punchline is a huge goal of mine, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that should be the only goal. You know, a lot of people that I respect do that, but they also put their own shows on. But also, you know, if I can get one or two people to want to continue to do this, to have the passion for it that I do, I'll consider myself, you know, a success in that. Originally it was gonna be Jeff, and then I thought maybe what if I got more of my friends who are in enough personalities to do it. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming out to San Francisco for us. We really appreciate <laughs> no it. Problem. Yeah, yeah. James and Elise Willems from Funhouse are two people that I thought would really enjoy doing stand-up. Yeah. Are you guys nervous at all? I'm here for you. If I, I bomb that. up there, that's whatever. You are both gonna have a blast. I'm already sweating. Elise is a huge fan of comedy. She's not a tremendously overconfident person, but she should be because she's very, very talented. Both of you guys have such good stage presence. Your ability to engage with an audience live is something very special. You guys should do this. Like You should do this. I, I think it's gonna be a very positive experience. I, I appreciate this very much. I probably would have kept putting it off for it went however long it took, but I, I guess, if nothing else, at the end of tonight, the Band-Aid will have been You will have off, done it. And I will have done it, so that's a good feeling. My fingers crossed hope is that you guys go home and start thinking about this and start and keep writing a little bit and then go, I gotta do it one more time. Yeah, am I gonna get a fix that. for it? It's really I mean, annoying. maybe. I don't know. He told me that that would happen, and I said, absolutely not. And then after I did it, I woke up the next day writing jokes. Like, oh, I gotta get out of bed right. God damn it. You know, these are people who I respect, I wanted them to go out and have fun and get a taste for it. And I wanted it to be memorable and I wanted them to have that because it's not always gonna be like that. Obviously we haven't promoted this a ton, but there's enough promotion where I think that people are gonna be there wanting to laugh. They're gonna wanna pay attention to you. They're gonna want to be there to support you. And that's actually what, in my opinion, success looks like as a comic. Doing some promotion for tonight. Is that cool? I mean, I don't know. 
That sounds pretty good to me. You look excited. I'm nervous. I don't think we're doing an open mic in the purest of forms, for sure. We're getting a little bit of an edge up, having a built-in audience. And I appreciate that because it makes it feel a lot less daunting. But then also, now there's another level of expectation of they're funny in their videos, they're improv style, but can they do stand-up? It's kind of counterintuitive, but if you invite people who know who you are, if you invite people who've chosen to follow you, there is a little bit of a safety net there. And that's such a hard thing to find as a, as a brand new comic. Nice. And once I hit it, it's real. Mm-hmm. Here we yeah. go. No going back, Greg. And then I got the idea from Kind of Funny. We got Greg and Tim, Andy, and Kevin, uh, myself. Is everybody here? Come on. Get in here. Move in really quickly. I know it's nerve-wracking. I know it's kind of scary to be up there. But just relax. Do your thing. All right, I'm gonna give you a great intro. If you eat it, it's your motherfucking fault. <laughs> I need you to be comfortable and relaxed. Look at these people as like family or friends, okay? All right, all right, so uh, I guess that's it. Everybody, let's put our hands in. Oh, and on day. three, what are we gonna say, brother? Uh, uh, kind of funny. Let's see that. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Kind, kind of funny. funny. I want to get this underway. Listen, humans, remember what I'm saying. I need you to really applaud really big for these people because a lot of them, it's going to be their very first time actually doing stand-up comedy. It's really, really scary to get up here. I know you see people and you go, oh, I can do that shit. That's the voices in your head, all right? <laughs> On the count of three, I need everybody in here to go crazy. Here we go, y'all. One, two, three! We are going to have a great show if you keep that up. And remember, not applauding is racist. I knew that all the people that I hang out with, all the guys I work with, I knew that they would enjoy it. How are you, San Francisco? My name's Greg Miller, and when I was a child, I used to piss into a Dixie cup and throw it behind my dresser. If I tell you that, hey, all of your friends are gonna do stand-up for the first time, you're gonna wanna be there, right? Give it up for Tim Geddes. There's sort of a built-in excitement, and I had that excitement, too, because I wanted to see how everyone would do. I wanted to see if people would rise to the occasion, if they would be nervous, if they would be naturals on stage, how they would approach writing their material. Nobody really likes caffeine. What's the first thing you do when somebody hands you a cup of coffee? You try to make it taste less like coffee, right? <laughs> what is that? You put, you put fucking hazelnut and like agave nectar in it, you try to make it less like the thing that it is. Drugs are perfect the way God made them. <laughs> if you're at a party and somebody goes up to you and he says, hey, I got some black car heroin, you want to tie one off? If you're into it and you go, yeah, shoot me up, they don't respond with, cool, man, how do you take it? <laughs> These are all jokes that I've written in the last 10 years. Did you guys hear about Robin Williams? <laughs> uh, he went from being Bicentennial Man to the man on the Bicentennial Dollar Coin, Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, this wasn't about the suicide. This wasn't about the suicide. <laughs> yeah, because this joke is from 2013 when he played uh, Eisenhower in that movie, The Butler. It was super fun for me to put them through the ringer. Give it up for James Willis. <laughs> Thank you.
gonna be a disaster. <laughs> James was worried about bombing, but I think James was more excited to just do it as a sink or swim, doesn't, who cares what happens, let's just do it. I don't really like to talk about sex that much, but I will give you a little insight into my relationship with, uh, with Elise. She's Canadian. You don't necessarily know it just by looking at her. She just kind of comes across as a cool chick. Um, but there, she has some tells. She has some tells. Uh, for example, when I uh, ejaculate prematurely, she apologizes. <laughs> The person that I was looking forward to most to see what would happen was Elise. For me, standing up there alone, it's just very vulnerable. I just kind of hope that I can get up there and get through it and not, not feel like I did terribly. There is that human nature fear of going up in front of a group of strangers and putting yourself out there, especially with comedy, which is tough, and coupling that with the fact that you may just meet crickets is really nerve-wracking. Whatever the outcome, if it's bad, I hope it doesn't make me even more critical of myself when it comes to comedy, yeah. because I think I'm already pretty hard on myself as it is. This next comic, she's really, really beautiful and funny. Everybody, give it up for Elise Wong. <laughs> I think Elise was very worried about bombing. James was worried about bombing too. I think Elise was a little bit more sensitive to wanting to get laughs. Uh, I have my notes written down because this is the first time I've done stand up ever. Thank you. You can clap for that because you won't be clapping later. Uh... Oh, Elise is 100% the most nervous. She has zero self confidence and she'll also do the best. I love comedy. Um, I work for a YouTube channel that makes comedy for my, my day job, um, which is kind of a fallback when the Harlem Globetrotters didn't work out. Uh, that, that was mostly a passport issue, though. They, they don't call them the, the Harlem State Putters. Uh, but yeah, so... <laughs> YouTube, which is kind of a human cesspool. Uh, you're familiar with it, I can tell, a lot of you. Uh, yeah, a woman, a woman online, you're gonna face some harassment. I had this guy that he started sending me flaccid dick pics. And I went to the cops and they told me I was gonna need harder evidence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I work, so yeah, I work for this channel and I work, my husband works there as well, you're gonna, you might know him. You know, we have a pretty good relationship. I think relationships, have the same issues across the board, the same issues they had 100 years ago, 500 years ago, heck, even cave people had the same you know, relationship issues we had now. Back then though, it was, you know, the, the woman, cave woman stayed home and she was a gatherer, the caveman was a hunter, and you know, that, that life was a bitch. If I, I would have hated to have been a gatherer, okay? Because can you imagine, like, you're me, you're, you're at home, you're gathering all day, you know, you're doing this for eight hours, and, and like, it's exhausting, and you just learned how to walk on two feet like three days ago. And your cave, your cave husband comes home, and he's been hunting all day, oh, big deal. Uh, and he walks, just walks in, starts traipsing mud all over your clean mud. And you're like, what, what is this? Uh, you know, and uh, he's, he's, you know, furling his brow at you, because he always is. <laughs> I think it's all my notes. Uh, the caveman bit was the most I had. 
hard for me to think of myself in an elevated way or to think of myself in a, as a funny person. But coming off the stage, it felt really, really good. Who ever said that what's not funny is stupid motherfuckers fuck them? Because uh, she was fucking hilarious. Don't you agree? I have problems with myself. I never feel funny. I never feel creative and that's just my my problems but like doing that up there and and like the thrill of it I came off the stage and I thought like if we did something like this again I would yes I would sign up to do it I've wanted to do it for a really long time but yeah getting up and doing it man that feels really good this was amazing this was a wonderful experience it was my goal to get at least one person out of this group to want to do this again and I think a lot of people want to do it again and so that makes me happy. The deck was stacked in our favor here, so the way that Nick does it, where he's grassroots, like making it happen, and he might be walking into a lion's den, he has no idea, that like blows my mind. If he hadn't pushed, he didn't have anyone pushing him. And I think that's a big difference. He just decided to do it, and the idea of mustering that inside of yourself and then just like jumping off the edge is like, it's wild. Good seeing you, man. I'm conflicted about coming into comedy from the angle that I came. If Nick wanted to, he could bring a contingent of that audience with him pretty much everywhere he goes. I admire people who don't have the platform that I have, who still go out there every day and chase down that dream. All right, let me just take it like this. 20% of what you do as a comic is your act. The next step, 80% of what you're going to do is constantly selling yourself. It's really tough to make it out here. It's, uh, and show business is very unforgiving. But you just, you get on stage and you talk. I wouldn't keep doing this. I wouldn't keep putting myself through it if I didn't like it. Part of the fact that it is a struggle is what makes it worth it. The reward is unbelievable. If you love it and have a passion for it, you know, you're gonna do it regardless. When it hits, beautiful freedom. Ah. Uh. One of the realities that I had to face was that this is gonna take a really long time. But what I'm doing right now is comedy. This is it. It's doing clubs, it's organizing your own shows, trying to promote yourself, and that's it. That's the grind. Reality is you gotta be your own cheerleader. Reality is you gotta figure out a way to get 100 people in a room, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then find the happiness in that, because that is that is comedy. So you better figure out a way to have fun every single show or else you're gonna burn out fast. I don't think I'll ever not do this. I think this is always gonna be something in my repertoire. I think this is always gonna be something that defines me. I look back a year and a half later and think, wow, look how far I've come. And where am I gonna be in 10 years? Let it be what it's gonna be. Put your effort into something and enjoy it. And just whatever success is gonna be is gonna be. Warming them up, guys. Don't worry. This is how we do it. I'm telling the new guys how you really knock it out of the park.
downside is they keep winding up in the bay. The upside is they're really fun to throw into the bay. I didn't. I don't spell people's names. Yay! Uh, hey guys, what'd you think? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. Um, this was definitely the most rowdy sc uh, screening we've done so far of this, and I'll I'll just thank Mark Neuer and Brady Holt for that one. Uh, if you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer them about the production or anything like that, or potentially fixing some of your uh, misspelled names in the end. Uh, before I do that, I do want to let you guys know that Mutiny uh, is a very, very cool place. If this is your first time, um, I want to say thank you to, uh, to Pam Benjamin. Uh, and also, uh, this is a free screening. If you guys feel like donating a little bit of money uh, to Mutiny to keep this place, to keep the lights on and keep it going, that would be awesome. Um, so I think there's a... I think there's a donation box somewhere. Pam, is there a place people can put money? Oh, right here. Perfect. So if you guys want to, uh, no pressure, of course, but if you want to throw a couple bucks, uh, this place uh, gets a lot of people high on a weekly basis, and that's great. Uh, does anyone have any questions? I have, a, qu I have a question. Oh, Pam. Pam's got so the first question. So was, was your set at the punchline worth it? it? I mean, worth it in what regard? Do you feel like do you feel like everything you built for came to fruition? I feel like I peaked and now it's all downhill. <laughs> uh, no, it, you know it was really fun. That stage is great, honestly. And I know people have mixed feelings about about the time that you have to put in there, but to be honest, I had a really fun time and it was really a pleasure to be on stage for 5 minutes and it was an honor. You know, that, that stage has been shared by a lot of awesome names, not the least of which are you know, Dave Chappelle and Robin Williams and a lot of people. So, being able to even and now it's it might go away. It might not be there at the end of uh, August. So, being able to at least have gone up once, I I count myself amongst the lucky. Hey, Nick, I got a question. Brady, you can, uh, you can hold I'm the mic just a little farther away from your mouth. You I'm Brady Hold, and I will hold this mic as far as away as I want. Now you sound great. Your hair looks great, too, for uh, people listening on the radio. Thank you. I am great. Check me out on Brady Hold on Instagram. Um, when's the sequel coming out? Still, You mean still waiting for the punchline? Still, still waiting. 
it, I guess that would be like, like, how was Nick's stand-up career? Is he still in the same spot that he was? You know, I'll be honest. If anyone cares about that in like two or three years, I will be very lucky. Yeah, that'd be amazing. But I mean, it's a, you know, you guys know how this goes. It takes a long time. And, and that, w- what I really learned by doing this documentary and what I've done learned by doing comedy for the last three years is that you really have to enjoy the little victories. You have to enjoy the fun shows that even if there's only two or three, like I did Brady's show yesterday and it yeah, was a blast. He did. We had a great time. He um, did my show. I that's did at your Java. Show. That's at Java Ocean. Java on Ocean, Java on Ocean which is currently. The longest running open Here we mic go. All right. in a cafe on a Thursday right. in San Francisco. In the southern part of San Francisco. It's still San Francisco, you oh. assholes. I don't care if it's the first or last <laughs> stop you're coming to. It's still San Francisco. And they have really good coffee there and semi-decent quiche. Yeah, we have birds, too. You had a question. What's up? Yeah, so you've been Hold on. Okay, so... You've been doing it for three years. Um, you organize your own shows. You got to be at the punchline. Now that you've hit some goals, what is stand-up to you right now? Is it like the community you're a part of and you still go to open mics every week? Are you just trying to do different interesting stuff with it, like make documentaries and make different shows? Like, What is stand-up to you right now? Is it still just part of your weekly routine? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, not as much as it was. Uh, the documentary actually it took a lot of energy, and so I took a little bit of a break after that, and I've slowly reintegrated back in. Uh, but I have been going to Punchline pretty much every Sunday. Um, and honestly, it's, it's to a point now where it's just – I look at that as just a, a fun time to check in with people that I haven't maybe seen all week. And, you know, there's like 40 comics that go there, and so and it's always a mix of different people because there's always people like me that go – I'm going to wuss out tonight and stay home. And then people that go, no, I'm going to chase my dreams down right now and go. So it's, it's, it's a nice like rallying point, I think, for everyone um, during the week. And the great thing is um, there's lots of mics that night as well. So you can go to Punchline for an hour. And then if you want, if you, if you feel inspired, you don't think you're going to get up, you can go over to Red's, uh, which is Kaiser's mic, or uh, Maggie's is no longer, unfortunately. In fact, a lot of those mics don't exist anymore. Uh, RIP, <laughs> sadly, RIP Grant and Green and RIP Maggie's. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a shifting landscape, but it's it's really fun, honestly. And Mutiny Radio still exists. Now we have four weekly open mics. Still killing it. Yeah, still fucking killing open it. Mics. Yeah, Mondays, so. Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays here. So we're trying to hold it down. And it's it's I mean, one more last thing on that. It's one of those things where like, and a lot of these guys will tell you, because a lot of the, there's a lot of comics in the audience right now. It's just it's so fun. And it's crushing almost every day. But when it's not crushing, it's a fucking blast. But please don't join because there's only enough stage time and we don't want you to steal stage time from us. So yeah. please don't. Don't start Especially doing stand-up. Especially if you're talented. Don't steal my four minutes, Yeah, you don't do that. Asshole. You whatever. got a question real quick. Your pronoun. <laughs> so I just met a girl and she keeps talking about her kid. How do I know if it's her child or her dog? Yeah, if it keeps licking its own asshole, uh, call back. It's her dog. It's her dog. <laughs> I swear to God, that joke got laughs the first time I said it, and I was like, I'll just keep trying it. And and again, that's a perfect example of why it's interesting to do comedy because sometimes that one laugh you heard you heard it in the documentary. That was the first time I told that joke, which I think was at um, Delirium, and people laughed, and I was like, oh, clearly this is going to be a staple in my in my set list for the rest. No, it's it just didn't get a laugh anytime after that. What's up, Brady? But on a serious note, again, uh, Brady, just kind of really—you don't have to. Really seriously, I want to say, um, 
How did you feel about that Westworld finale? Like, was <laughs> were you thinking like it was just a little too complicated? I I hear they're going full cyberpunk for season three. What do you think? Great question. I only watched the season finale for season one. Uh, I watched oh, the first shit. episode of season two when I came back, and it was rubbish, so I stopped watching it. Yeah, good, uh, good call. And good call. wrong, Westworld is one of the best shows ever created in the history of television. Back to both. Actually, wait, I mean, come on. I went to Delos. I went to actually went to Delos. It's Pam a, went it's to a Delos. Greek, it's a Greek. It's an island. It's a Greek island. I actually she went, went to, to a Greek island. It's not just a fake thing. And I think it's we're off topic. It's a real island. You guys, Pam. <laughs> I really yeah, I went I to we, Delos. I really strayed. went there. Pam went on vacation. But really, I went, Nick, I went to Delos. Uh, Skylar Burns has a question. Skylar, what's up? Starler, Scarler. Who was uh, walking around following you, observing you do the comedy and be sad afterward? Uh, it was me, the director, and the D- and the DP, uh, uh, director of photography or camera guy. So the camera guy is a way of saying it, but oh, and the audio guy. That's right. So, uh, not not always though. Sometimes they would. Uh, I don't think I don't know if uh, Darnell was with us the entire time. Yeah, probably just it was a small crew. It was just three people mostly. Occasionally, a producer would come out to help out as well. But the the one fun thing for me was that it, it was my since I know everyone, uh, it was my opportunity to help produce a little and just because I had to introduce everyone to the scene and then in doing so, I got to learn a lot of stuff. So instead of me being scared to ask people what being passed meant. I would just ask them that, and they'd go, oh, you got getting past me. Is this? And I'm like, cool, now I know what that means. Like, I would learn all these, I would learn terminology and, and all this stuff, but I got to learn through the, lo- the lens of the camera, which was really, really fun and a lot less uh, intimidating. Because this shit's intimidating, man. Like, I don't care who you are, walking in front of a room of people, like, who all know each other and, like, are shooting the shit, smoking cigarettes outside, and they kind of look at you like, that dude ain't going to last very long. It's scary. And, like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like this, our scene's pretty great here. I feel like there's a lot of people like Pam uh, and like Brady, actually, who will, who will, you know, welcome you with open arms and uh, treats, I think they call them. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's scary out there. So, I don't know. What's up, Brady? Hey, uh, I just want to say. this with me. It's great. Uh, I really did appreciate the, the movie. It perfectly captured kind of what it is like to be a stand-up comedian and... Um, uh, I I didn't know Nick was famous until uh, I saw that one of the top-rated posts on the Brainwash's Instagram was a picture of just him doing stand-up, and I'm like, what does this motherfucker got going for him <laughs> that I don't? But you don't even use that to your advantage. You just really do stand-up comedy just like everybody else, and uh, I always appreciate that about you. You really do do it and try and grind, and that movie that you just showed us... Uh, even though it was shot in like four weeks, it really encapsulates what it is like to be a stand-up. You try, you fail, and then you just keep going again and again and again. And I really love that. And I just wish I had more scenes. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you could be in. Actually, Brady was one of those guys that had one of the most interesting stories. And I think the director was like fascinated by you, you and Tony and a, and a handful of other people. Because you are the guys that like... You want to talk about sacrificing? Like you were like, I don't, I want to be closer to the scene. So you lived in your car for a while, which I, is yeah. insane, right? Like to me, I that's not something I'd be willing to do. But you love this game. I am so insane, dude. And I really, I mean, yeah, we I all. I just want to say, I enjoyed this, and 
Whatever happens next, I used to watch the fucking Halo videos that oh, Rooster yeah. Teeth made yeah. when I was in high still school, dude. They still make those? Yeah, I think they're on like season 17 or something of Red vs. Yeah, Blue. yeah, dude. That's fucking, that's the shit. They make dude. that. They make like five other animated shows. They're huge. Like, I, I urge everyone, like, that's the one thing I, I, if you guys take anything away from this, check out Rooster Teeth because they are the future of, and I hate to say content creation, but because it's such a it's such a loaded term but they're like they're really the future of of creating things online I just can't wait to see what happens audience. next that's all I'm saying like I Appreciate really that. I was serious about that sequel like it doesn't have to be specifically about you maybe it could be about you know Brady Holt or something yeah you know? no I know I see uh, you know when you put it, when you put it like that it makes a lot of sense it does a lot of sense yeah yeah Brady Holt really great at uh, switching the attention so I have a quick question, and then I actually have to go to a mic. Um, and actually, I, I think we have an idea for Brady's movie. It should be called Brady on hold. And then, yeah. Um, so what do you have in line or do you for distribution? I mean, I thought it was really, really cool. And I mean, uh, as somebody who's been doing it for a little bit, um, there are lots of friends and family who I want to have see that because I've tried to explain it. And they go, yeah, yeah, they sort of give you that weird sideways look. And I'm like, watch that and you can stop asking me. It was really, really good. So how can people see it? Uh, you can see it online right now on roosterteeth.com. Uh, it's actually available. Um, they've been uh, kind enough to let me do screenings. We just screened at the uh, SF Doc Fest as well, and of course Pam was kind enough to invite me to screen it here. Uh, but if you are not in the San Francisco area or you don't feel like coming to the next screening, if we have one, uh, roosterteeth.com. Uh, it's called Waiting for the Punchline, and you can actually, it's, uh, it's, it's behind a paywall, but you can sign up for the free trial, and then it's up to you if you want to keep that free trial. <laughs> it's a seven-day free trial. I urge you to check out their stuff, though, because they have other documentaries as well. They do a lot of cool stuff, and they, of course, run the gamut of crazy shit that they do, so they're really, really fun. But yeah, roosterteeth.com. Not to be confused with Rooster Tea Feathers, which is the bane of my existence. Not the club. It's a great club. People just think they made my documentary, and I'm like, no. <laughs> they did not make this documentary. Sir, with the Amazing Aviators, you got a question? Yeah. So I've, I've, been loving, I've been loving comedy and going to comedy shows. It's my new thing for the last couple of years. I'm just wondering, I've followed a couple of comedians through months. When, when do you think, it's not good to go and see the same comedian like every month. When do your the jokes turn over to something else? You know the, you know the the the, the dog the dog or the kid licking the ass yeah. thing. It was mentioned three times in the movie, and I'm just wondering, when do you like go to the next level to get the next? I know it's really hard to write jokes, but when do you think? When should I see you again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when he stops talking about dogs. Yeah, well, the dog joke has not been in my in my set for a long time. That what's fun about this is that that was I think almost a year and a half ago. So my set's pretty much completely different from now. But I think any good comic or any aspiring to be a good comic uh, who's not Brady will tell you that writing uh, every day and writing new stuff is what you want to be doing. Um, and so it behooves you. Like I, I, there are jokes in here that I mean I saw this like last month, and there's jokes in here that I, I saw again, I was like, oh, I should go back to that because that's actually, that's a fun premise. I just never really fleshed it out because it never got laughs. And so, but I think that's up to every comic uh, is to, do you, when do you let that joke go? That's a great question for Pam. Pam, like, do you have, do you, have you had jokes before where you go, I'm going to try this, this amount of times and then screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. 
No, I always bring them back. Why? Why can't <laughs> Californians have guns? Because they're always triggered. <laughs> if you write a, if you write that's a good amazing. joke, if you write a good joke, your joke lasts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long. That's it lasts. fair. I mean, that's the thing, though. I, my whiskey, I just don't write good jokes. My my know. closer, my whiskey dick closer that I've been using for seven Love years it. now. That I've been. Everyone knows my whiskey dick closer. Yep. It still gets great laughs, and that's why I use it all the time. Is that it still stands. There you go. That's why I close with it because sometimes I get a free drink at the end too, and I like that. I got a free drink at La Rocca's on Wednesdays because of my whiskey dick closer. That was nice. Oh, Rock. I saw that. Yeah, That's right. The guy, the, the tall guy at the bar, right? Or was it one of the Brits that came it was, in? One of the guys at the end of the bar was like, you get a drink for that. And I was like, it's not going to be whiskey. It's going to be IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Pam and I did a show at uh, La Rocca's over in North Beach. And there's a whole, there was like a family of people from, from England that came in. And they came in at 930 at night just to get a drink. But not like to relax. It was like the drink that was gonna get them to the next place. <laughs> like, the, and they were serious about. It. There was no fucking around. They were like, "We, we gotta get drinks right now because we gotta go to the next place and like, get drinks." Oh, look at this. They look at intense. all these little. Look at all these cunts doing comedy on a microphone. Yeah, they were. Look at this. Look at this cunt talking on a microphone. It was a dude up there. It doesn't matter. Yeah, They're English. They don't matter. give a fuck. Yeah, that's a great word for a cunt. It was great. It was a great night. Do you, how often do you generate new material, though? Are you writing every day? Are you trying yeah. to do stuff? Well, I'm not writing jokes right now. I'm writing poetry now because, uh. because comedy is so unfulfilling that I've gone back to my roots where, where poetry, which would you think would be the least fulfilling thing, at least I sound smart. So I'm really digging the poetry right now. Awesome. Yeah, it's weird. You, sir. So I, I love the movie, just to say uh, firsthand, but uh, you talked about in the movie that it was always just a dream of yours to do stand-up comedy, but was there any inspiration behind it? Like, did you grow up loving any specific comics? Like, if you were to tell someone, hey, go on YouTube and check these people out to get, like, a good foundation of what inspired you, would it be like a, like a Richard Pryor? Like, what? Sure, like, sure, sure. If you're black, Richard Pryor's great. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in the 80s, so... A lot of the comics that I saw, and this is just that I think shaped my world for a very long time that, you know, may or, you may or may not agree with. Um, and you've got comics like, sure, come on. You got comics like Eddie Murphy was huge in the 80s. And I remember watching Raw and uh, Delirious and just thinking this is the best thing. And meanwhile, my mom was like, yeah, sure, watch that. And she'd walk in and be like, what did he just say? Like, that's the worst. Um, but there's also comics like Kennison or, I mean, I was a huge Andrew Dice Clay fan back in the day to the point where like, when he did his first movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, I was like there day one, and it tanked, and I was like, no. It was like the first time I remember thinking like someone can have a falling from grace, like that's horrible. Um, hickory dickory dock. Hickory, everyone, but that's the thing, like you look at that guy and you're like, that dude is the one comic who could go sell out Madison Square Garden with jokes that everyone in the audience not only knows, but will repeat with him. It's like a, it's like a, a rock star. Like you know, it's like going to see a Beatles concert and just singing along. It was like he would start with the nursery rhymes and do like th th hundreds of them. I don't even know how many he did over the years. Uh, probably not that many, but and people would. And it was amazing. It was cool. And it was. I think I just hit a point like later in life when I got a little bit more confidence in me, especially with starting my own business and taking a few more risks. Where I thought I really admire people that do that. I really admire people like comics who. You know, because you only have a limited amount of time on this planet. So if you're going to spend how you spend that time, you should be very, very careful of and you should be very you should cherish that time. So if you're going to spend that in a place where, you know, people behind you, 
No, I appreciate that. Come on out. Come on out. Oh, we take one of these, by the way. There's nothing in them. There's no, nothing those are bad. all medicated. Take they're a couple. Medicated cannibal, cannibal. Be careful. They're medicated gummies. Uh, medicated. They're like, ten, they're like Just a little happiness for about there's 20 milligrams of happiness. 10 to 20 milligrams per. Oh, I don't. I don't. I, those will fuck the, me up. They're, no, they're. I mean, they're. You can donate. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. They're, they're 10 to 20 milligrams a piece. Um, no, I just got to a point, I think, where I realized that a lot of my heroes nowadays are comics, and I want it to be that as well. You know, a lot of people I look up to are people that aren't afraid to have those conversations or to say crazy shit, uh, to be thought provoking, to be evocative. Uh, and I want to be that. I want to be a guy like that. And it's, it's hard and it's scary. Like even there's some jokes in here that you guys, you know, heard that I'm like, I don't do that much because it's scary and they're polarizing and they might be taken the wrong way. So that's just what it is. Any other questions? Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks congratulations. For coming, guys. It really is a great I movie. Appreciate you. Thank, and thank you for putting Mutiny Radio in it. And thank you for being so kind about Joke Workshop that happens every Monday from six to eight and has been happening for the past going on six years. So it's, yay, every well, Monday it's a place to come. But now we have four open mics a week. So Mutiny Radio really is a place for new comics to feel comfortable and be in a safe space. Tonight we had a person that was burgeoning on hate speech, but great. it was against incels. So I didn't feel so bad. That's fine. I was like, uh, well, everyone knows hate speech is okay as long as they're hating people you hate. Yeah, right? right? I mean, they were the like, incels, so I was like, I guess I'm okay with the hate speech on this one. But usually at Mutiny Radio, we say no hate speech. Yeah, no hate speech. Uh, yeah. Mark, you had one more question, right? Here. Try to be nice here. Welcoming. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's really a question. But uh, no, I think that... Uh, to touch on the whole uh, turning over material, I think you, you really have turned over a lot of material. I, I, I just saw you at Cobb's, uh, flex, 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 flex. But no, you, were, you did great, and you did a lot of material I hadn't heard, right? So I mean, it wasn't in this fucking documentary. I was a year into comedy when, that, when, we, when you guys were recording that shit, dude. And I was busting a load over who was recording that shit, dude. I fucking got the Halo tattoo right here, Big Pimpin', you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, don't play with me. It's terrible, I got it when I was sober. I'll never do that again. I'll never be sober again. So, never again. So, you know, that, that was so tremendous. And I just, I, you know, we all appreciate you so heavily. There's so many comedians that were showcased in there. You showed my fat fucking ass. You have cute boobs in the film. It's Thank really you. Nice. You have a really You do too, there. Pam. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. I've been working out. So, you know, it's you know, God bless you, really. It's it's so spectacular, mm. and and uh, Brady said it as well as as I'm going to say right now. You don't lean into your privilege. Your privilege of being <laughs> like, you know, kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like, you're hella funny, right? And that's like a hashtag out here in the Bay Area, right? Hella funny, whatever, whatever. But no, you're you're a very funny individual, right? And you're like you're you're popping, you're popping. You have you have thirty seconds to lick his ass more, and then we gotta wrap up this podcast. God, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think everyone thanks you. And maybe I, you'll I put you. you in, maybe you'll put your name in a There's tag a on the next one. Maybe you'll. I, I just want him to open Mark my Neuer. fucking DMs. I will open all of them when I get home, Mark. And thank you for this. Thank you for those very nice words. And thank you, uh, everyone, for coming out to support this and for just being generally awesome people who make this community worth it every night. Uh, so, uh, Pam, let's give a round of applause to Mutiny. Yay! Pam. Please follow. 
follow us. Follow uh, us on Instagram. I just learned that Instagram is a thing. I'm an old woman, but I just learned that yeah. Instagram is a thing. Follow us at Mutiny Radio SF. Please, please, please follow us. And uh, thanks, Kind of Funny, and follow them too. And this has been great. And thanks, Nick. And thanks, Kind of Funny. And every Friday, we have a great comedy showcase at 8 o'clock. So come back, bring friends. All right, bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you. My buddy, Nicholas, who's going to be the next art thing in here from Greece his buddy they're working on a they're working on a um, what's it called a graphic novel together and I saw one of her pictures and I was like oh my god it's Alice I'll, I'll show it to you if we put on a song or something and it's Alice falling down a rabbit hole and I said oh can you do put an old timey radio in there falling with her she's like yeah and so she did and we paypaled her euros and it's awesome okay so the idea is when the new flyers are made I have to get a team of 20 people and they break into teams of two and I get them super high. Like I'm going to give everybody edibles and we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to sit in the room and I'll be like, here's the line. We're going to, so I'm going to divide this neighborhood up.
Kiss Chamoto Moto, Pensini Pigabuso Chamoto Moto. Kuwa to keep in Dana, to Lila Pamoja, to Kizungumza. Just city, city.